fantasy and some flights. Exploring the realms of beer, board games, books, and bourbon. Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy and Some Flights podcast. I'm Nelson. I'm Dalton. And tonight we are coming at you with a book episode talking all about fight scenes or battle scenes. So yeah. I'm really excited because these are super hype, right? <laughs> right. Right. That's the whole point. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, the the action kind of, you know, the, the climax. A lot of these happen at climaxes. So it'll be kind of interesting to see how we do this with spoilers. So we'll have to, yeah, we'll sure. have to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. Halfway through the episode, Nelson and I are going to exchange blows. We're going to throw on some boxing gloves and... Uh... <laughs> Oh, wait, you got out. gloves? <laughs> <laughs> I was not aware of this requirement. <laughs> Apparently, I need more to drink then. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so random side tangent because, you know, we're, we're always good at keeping these episodes short. My, my brother went to a, a bachelor party where he did, I think it was called chess boxing. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> it, like, combined chess with, like, if you lost or you lost a piece, you, like, had a boxing match and it was supposed to like stimulate both like the physical and the mental parts of your body and i'm just like that just sounds so what okay like i mean it sounds awesome but not something i would ever do like can you just become a master of one and just like not die in the other you know (laughs) yeah yeah i'm just a really good boxer i don't even know the rules of chess so we'll see how this goes right i just just keep moving pawns around and hoping (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, now that that side tangent is over, we yep. are drinking. So, Dalton, what's on your flight tonight? What's on my flight? We were talking about um, in in the Fireside episode we just released that we both have a oh, Four yes. Cheers I'm excited for this. drink tonight. So, I have a Four Cheers. Um, it is Sunrise Sensei, a black IPA from Denver Brewing Company. An IPA? And a a oh, black man. IPA. It's happening. Can't, like, yeah, looking it's at it, IPA. I can show it's it to you on the IPA. camera. Can you tell That's it's an IPA? <laughs> That's a stout. <laughs> it is like not one bit black. It is, you know, or not one bit uh, brown. It's fully black. But so this um, this beer, again, I just picked it up at a at a local store. I wanted to try local beer. And so I just picked it up. And as I like, after I picked it up, I tried, I was like, wow, I really like this. And I looked at um, the back and it has a really special story. And so apparently the head brewer, I don't know the story of what happened, but apparently the head brewer of Denver Beer Company uh, passed away in the fall of last year. Um, and they oh, actually made sad. like this. I know it is. I don't really know like what happened, but they made this beer kind of like in memorial. Um, so I thought that was like a really cool way oh, to wow. kind of like honor his yeah. like memory and everything. So um, they brewed this black IPA. They used um, Rosita de Cacao, which is a Mexican flower, apparently. Yeah, I don't, yeah. Like, I don't know if that's tied oh, to his heritage that? or whatever, but no. Yeah. <laughs> I thought we covered that. I thought we covered that in the beer episode, right? Black IPAs are just first of all super interesting. Um, where they yes they have like some yeah. of the flowery and hoppy flavors of ipa but then they have this like from the roasting of the malt they have this really strong you know these strong bitter and coffee flavors and everything so where we've talked about like ipas um are trying to become more balanced this one doesn't necessarily feel that way right because it's like kind of doubling <laughs> more a little towards bit, the malty side like just more towards like the roasted like coffee type flavors oh, okay. like it's kind of backing up interesting like with just more bitter, you know? <laughs> oh, okay. Interesting. Um, but I have tried black IPAs before and always really liked them. I don't, I don't know why. Um, I think just like the complexity and they end up tasting like just like an unsweet stout almost to me. So the beer itself is really good, but I thought it also just had a really special story. I'm sure it would be like getting harder and harder to release because I don't, I think they're just doing, it was just like a one-time release of it type right. of thing. But the, the can is also just really pretty. It has sort of like a, 
I don't know how to describe it, but like an outline of an owl that's done really well with like a sunset behind it. And yeah. you can tell they really put a lot of really memory pretty. in. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Just that they put a lot of thought that's and really intention sad. into the into the beer. So, um, so a bit of a yeah, it's a bit of a sad story, obviously. Uh, and again, not knowing the details of it, but I thought it was just a really special way to like you know to send off like a friend and a coworker like that. So yeah. we didn't know Jason Bueller, but now we've tasted this beer and we know a little bit about him from that. So I just I thought that was kind of a cool way to make sure that his like memory kind of you know. I think if I had a choice, <laughs> that would be a really cool way to be remembered. So, Yeah. Wow, that's that's powerful. Mm-hmm. So you said it was a four cheers. Yeah. Yep. What, what is the like APV on it? Does it hit you pretty hard? It is. It, no, it doesn't hit super hard. It's 6.3%. Okay. Um, so right so there it, in that IPA normal range. Yeah, normal IPA range. Um, it also says on the can, just another fun fact, that it's made with 100% solar power. I thought that was pretty badass. It's like, good for you Oh, guys. that is really cool. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if that's all their beer. I, again, like I'm pretty new to the Denver area. I'm learning a lot about the breweries here, but I um, thought that was a pretty cool thing. Yeah, that would be a really cool brewery to go visit. Yeah, for if, sure. Like they they're set up on like sustainable energy. I think that would be just really cool to go visit and patronize. No, patronize. It's not patronize. <laughs> go and patronize. Support. Oh, look who's on solar power. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at me. Support. <laughs> uh, yeah, support. Offer your patronage. <laughs> Offer your patronage. Yeah. Man, English is such a messed up language. (laughs) (laughs) It's English's fault, not ours. Yeah, yeah. It's not. Yeah. Well, nice. Well, I'm I'm glad you like it. I'm glad you found the the Four Cheers IPA. That that makes me very happy. Right, right. Turns out all you have to do is roast the malts and then I like it better. (laughs) Huh, weird. But what about you? What are you drinking tonight? So I also teased that I am drinking a Four Cheers whiskey. So this whiskey was the whiskey that i i cold called you on the friday before i came up to visit you saying hey i want a whiskey Mm -hmm. yep i want a whiskey to to you know share over this weekend right before you move which one should i pick up and you you came in clutch with with the idea of the michter's straight rye this is a single barrel uh straight rye that michter's had and we've had michter's before but i think it was the bourbon we did yeah we had their bourbon Right, we had their bourbon, which was which was still really good, but this this rye is phenomenal. I, I really like it. It's like forty two, almost forty three percent alcohol content, and no water, no ice is needed. I mean, it's smooth. It has a very complex fla- flavor profile. It, I mean, it's rye, so I'm getting pepper, right? So right. <laughs> just like any any rye would. But then, like, it has some sweet notes as in there as well, and it almost feels like cherry, mm-hmm. like. I, I don't know if you 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 tasted that when you were ha- having it, but when I taste it, it feels like an alcoholic cherry Coke almost. Like it's not that sweet, but right, like, it feels like that. Like you you kind of fermented cherry Coke, which mm-hmm. I just thought was really good. Four cheers for me easily. This one is actually top of the Temple Tim for me. This is my my rye of choice at this point. Wow, I, I like this you. more than the Templetons. So <laughs> that that has happened. That's awesome. We are there. This is this is my favorite whiskey right now. So awesome. this is my favorite whiskey I've ever had. So I always have a barrel. So just like our four cheers rating, you know, we were always going to have some in the house. So yeah, I, I had this. I bought some. I brought it down to one of our listeners, one of our friends, Amram's house. Um, mm. We drank that over the weekend. It's I'm just having a lot of a lot of fun with this with this rye. That's good. That's good. I think you said in yeah. there that you always have a barrel. And I, I, at first, I was like, "Oh, he misspoke." And then I was oh. like, "But did he?" <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sorry. No, I I have not yet financed my way to a barrel of this. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's actually not too bad. It, it is under forty dollars. Okay. So, so that that's always really nice. I think it, it was right around thirty eight 
at the store that I went to. So yeah, it's that's, not, not going to break the bank. For me, that's like kind of capping out something that I can buy like often, you know? Right. Yeah. Like if it's like getting to 50, it's like, okay, this is for me personally starting to get to where it's like kind of a special thing. Like I don't want to just always be buying this bottle and, and drinking it. So. Yep. And th- this one is, I'm not drinking this all night. Right. So I, I'm, I'm going to have one or two of these and then switch to an Elijah Craig or a Templeton or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it does last me a while. So that's good. I am happy and I am very excited that you called out Michter's straight <laughs> rye for, <laughs> for our, our bourbon, or not our bourbon, our whiskey of choice that weekend. That because weekend. It, it is, it has changed my life. That's good. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Especially cause like, I, I wasn't like, it was like, oh, I've heard the rye is good. Like we had the bourbon and I liked it. Like maybe pick that up and see if it's good. Like it wasn't, it wasn't yeah. like, I've had this. You're really going to like it. <laughs> you know, it's like, you like rye. This was a good one. Well, let's try it and see if it's good. So that's yeah. really funny that you, yep. I'm really glad that you yeah, liked it great so much. Choice. That's awesome. You mentioned like a, like a cherry and a cola flavor. Um, I see in like reviews a lot. I see cola described as like a taste in, like in whiskeys. I think it's probably, it's probably coming from like the oak barreling that has a lot of vanilla in it. And it like, that kind of reminds you of like, a, like that Coke, you know, Coca-Cola type flavor, but then like cherry, like dark cherry, like I think comes out most often either in like something that's been barreled in like a finishing barrel, like a sherry or something, then it can have like a, a you know, or a, or a red wine, then it can kind of have like a like right. dark yeah, berry yeah. skin type of flavor. But specifically rye, every once in a while there's a rye that comes across with like a, a subtle like dark cherry flavor and it's just, it's always really good. Yeah, I, I really like the contrast between the peppery, like the, the spicy and then the sweet. It, yeah. it just, it really does stuff for my for my palate. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Glad you like it so much. So two, four cheers. That's super exciting. That's always, that's always <laughs> uh, the sign of a good episode, right? That's right. Eight total cheers this episode. Wow, that's a lot of cheers. I know. <laughs> Nine if you count the one at the end. Oh, yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. I may just throw a random one in here, see if you can catch it. That's right. That's right. Get those double digits going. <laughs> hey, we did hit 10 uh, YouTube subscribers. Yes, we did. <laughs> yeah, was that you? <laughs> yeah, it was me. <laughs> okay. I would like to personally thank you oh, for you're so subscribing welcome. to our YouTube. I told you that I would do this to the person that hit a, made us get to 10 subscribers and... Thank you, Mr. Dalton Lentz, You're so much for for hitting us or make bringing us up to that top <laughs> tier, the echelon of YouTube subscribers with double digits. It's yeah, it's really. I, a I like deal. to consider myself um, if if a if a channel a YouTube channel has you know more than eleven subscribers, then I'm I'm just kind of like it's too mainstream. It's yeah, it's too big. It's too you, big. You know, they're never they're never gonna like interact with you they just got right. too much going on right too many people to smash the paparazzi. that subscribe <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly so oh man so yeah if, if another person subscribes then i might drop out but for now yeah i'm really enjoying the fantasy and some flights uh, youtube <laughs> channel <laughs> good stuff. yeah you you've been you've been doing a lot of moving and unpacking have you had any chance to read or listen to anything in the, yeah in that yeah time? Yeah, it we, we always talk about when we get busy, we tend to fall back on easier um, reads. And so I had I talked in a couple fireside episodes about um, rereading the inheritance cycle. I did finish that out kind of like oh, nice. right as um, like our move was kind of like right as we were kind of leaving Indiana. I think I had, I had kind of finished that out. And so did did really enjoy the reread. Picked up on a lot of stuff that I had missed since high school. Approached it with a bit more of like a critical eye, you know. I think because like just yeah. basically because we've been doing this, and because I'm a more experienced um, reader, and because it is a very young adult series um, that has it has a lot of great elements to it. But there are some things that it's kind of like lacking on, and so it was um, kind of a good exercise for me to like 
think critically about it and be like, yes, this is recognized. Like, yes, this is still something that I, I really, really enjoy. It has a lot of nostalgia for me. It's a very personal connection, um, but also being able to be like a little bit critical of it, you know? So I think as we, that might come up, I think maybe even a little bit tonight, we'll see if it, um, if it comes up tonight, but just even going forward into other book episodes is probably something that I'll draw from more frequently because it is like something that I have reread recently would still like obviously recommend the series I think it's a very enjoyable read um, but you have to go into it as an adult now um, understanding that it like it was written by a very young author and it's intended for a very young audience and so like it has some it has some flaws good things can have flaws just like you and me <laughs> so <laughs> and one of the the things that you just said where you picked up on more things during the reread that that is also something that I did which I thought was really interesting and really clever especially for a young author to have like those little details that kind of play a bigger role later in the series. Yeah, for which sure. Which I just thought was really cool. So I think I don't know if we've talked about it on the on the on the podcast, but do you enjoy the ending of that series? Like don't spoil oh. it, but like I know it's a controversial ending, and so I'm curious to hear your take on it. Do you enjoy the ending of uh Inheritance, inheritance right? is is the last one. Yeah, yes, the inheritance yeah, the last cycle book. and the yeah. last one's called inheritance. <laughs> yes. I think it drags like the um <laughs> I had forgotten, honestly, like I finished the book, not fin- but I was reading the book and like the climax happens and I was like, oh, okay, cool. You know? Um, and we were like driving still. Um, cause we had like just, we had like just left Indiana and I was like, there's like, there's like, I figured there's like five hours left in this book. I mean like a long time. It's like Return of the King. Yeah. It's like Return of the King where it's like <laughs> the story is just like taking forever to like finish, you know, it has this very, very long falling action and like conclusion. And I think part of that is I think he's probably trying to wrap up like too many storylines. Like it felt like everybody got a conclusion to the storyline, but like a chapter that like was written and was like very active, like things were happening, you know, and it like took a long time for like each individual storyline to like wrap up. Um, so like, I didn't like that part of the ending. I was like, okay, I think this whole section could just be cut. Like, I don't really think I need this character's like resolution as a part of like, you know, the series ending. Um, yeah. But in terms of the way that the climax is done and then like some of his decisions in the falling action that are like the major plot points of the falling action, um, I, I do enjoy uh, and I kind of agree with. They are a little different. It's a, it's a bit of a different yeah. take. <laughs> it is a bit of a different take and I, I'm right there with you. I think I do enjoy the ending. Yeah. And he kind of left it open ended so that I feel like he could expand on the universe if he if he wanted to. And I think there were rumors maybe like in the last year or two that he he had plans to do that. Have you seen anything about that? Yes. So when I was kind of like, as I was finishing the story, you know, I was like kind of just like looking stuff up and just like reading or whatever. And I wasn't aware, but there was a book that came out at the end of 2018 that was a collection of short stories. Oh, no kidding. I always, yeah, it's called The Lion, the Witch, and the Worm. No, it's called The Fork, the Witch, and the Worm. <laughs> um, but it's so <laughs> the Fork, the Witch, and the Worm. plagiarizing again. <laughs> yes. Here you go. Here I go plagiarizing. Um, <laughs> um, so I started plagiarizing. Uh, so I started plagiarizing <laughs> finger guns and everything, but yeah, he like it's it's apparently a collection of uh, short stories. Um, I really don't know that much about it, but I know that it's like titled Volume One. Um, so he's also kind of left it open for himself to kind of oh, continue okay. writing short stories. Cool. He also a do long you know, time ago, like after the book. Sorry, do you know if it's like a a continuation? Is it during the events of the Inheritance Cycle? Is it post pre? So it does continue some of Aragon's story after the fourth book of Inheritance. Um, and I think it also like, it includes like a story about Angela, the, like the herbalist, um, who's like yeah. a, this really like weird, like strangely powerful character that isn't like her backstory <laughs> yep. isn't fully like understood. Um, so like apparently there's like some stories about her. Um, so I don't, I don't know the full, like, 
I think the answer is I th- I believe it's a bit of a mix of things that have happened after the story and maybe some like flashback style things that happened before or during. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. I'll have to we'll have to see if that's on Audible or not. Yeah, for sure. It was one of those things where it was like, why did why have we we probably should have picked that up at some point. <laughs> yeah. Um, How do we miss this? Yeah, cuz it was at, like right at the end of 2018, but and then he has confirmed I think a long time ago that he planned on continuing um, and that he was, has been like working on things, but he, um, he started another series. I saw it in the, I saw it in a bookstore the other day and almost picked it up, but the first book is titled to sleep in a sea of stars. And it's more of a sci-fi book with a female protagonist. And I don't know that much about it, but like, I just, I like read the back and read like the first, like half of the first chapter or something like that while I was sitting in the bookstore and I had other things on my list. So, and it was like a new book. It was like, if it had been used, I might've picked it up, but it was new and I'm cheap. So I didn't, I didn't pick it up. Um, (laughs) But I believe he was planning to kind of like play that out before returning to Allegasia, the, the world where the, story is told very cool so yeah more than i anticipated talking about <laughs> for aragon <but> some, <laughs> some like cool you know some cool discussions um and i wanted to mention one other thing i've i had mentioned in the discord how i returned to the expeditionary force series which is one that we joke about a lot as being uh, <laughs> like a like a funny sort of popcorn style novel um series where it's he puts out a book every like four months and they're like pretty long so like that dude is crazy like I, crazy. I don't know how he does it yeah him and sanderson can just form a power squad right i don't think he like, edits like i think he just writes it and then just prints it. <laughs> that's <laughs> fair yeah that's fair and there and the book so has many like typos in here right right the story has like some like issues but like it's you have to approach it and just be like this is just i'm just gonna enjoy this i'm not gonna think about it critically it's just like, a fun one it's just yeah. a fun fun read so that has continued but the reason we were joking about it on the discord is because i like i'd forgotten where i was and so i picked up like i was like it's been like a year and so like i was like i feel like i remember reading like book nine or book 10 i remember i remember i had ended on like an even number book and so because I, I read them in pairs usually um and it'd been like a year and so i bought book 11 and it turns out i had ended on book eight and he had put out nine ten and eleven <laughs> by that time and like 12 had like just released like a week before <laughs> and it had been like one year and he put out like four books that's um, hilarious yeah that's so funny yeah and so i was like what the Very hell confusing. is going on like <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm so confused I, I appreciate the i appreciate the warning in the discord to tell me not to listen to that one yeah <laughs> so um but i also wanted to talk about it's so narrated funny. by rc bray um who did the martian and yeah i think he must be one of the better like narrators in, who's working right now i really really enjoy him yeah he, he is phenomenal he has yeah. such like a soothing voice and can convey the story so well yeah absolutely and he's very like he's so good with voices like he can do he does so many he covers so many different types of voices and his like female voices are, are pretty good you know obviously like that's the like one of the hardest things for male narrators to do but he like Oh, and a lot of male narrators, I think, have like one female voice, and he does a really good job of having like several different female voices, so that if two of them are talking, you can like easily pick them apart, or, or like tell them apart. Um, and there was a really funny line where like the main character Joe was like listening to an audiobook, and he was talking about audiobooks, and you could tell that like the <laughs> so author meta. had like what's that? So meta. Yeah, exactly. So meta, and you could tell that the author had kind of like dropped him a line because he said something. The line was something like. You know, he was talking about how much he loves audiobooks, and then he's like, "Oh, and I just love when there's like a good narrator. Um, a good narrator can really bring a story <laughs> to life." You know, um, that's awesome. And so then, like, that's when, so cool. Yeah. And so when he read that line, he like dropped out of like his voice for Joe, and he was like, "A good narrator can bring a story to life," or something. <laughs> it was awesome. just like really, it was super meta. It was really funny. 
Um, but the the whole the whole series really makes me laugh, and so I've been reading that as a as we go through unpacking and trying to settle into our new place. That's a I can just throw that on in the background, and you know I don't have to pay that much attention to it, but it always makes me laugh. So I think we've talked about this before, how the the story continues to get crazier and crazier, and we're wondering if they've kind of you know saturated the peak level of craziness. Have they done that, or have they expanded on the craziness? Oh, it's in, continuing in to get reading. It's continuing to get to get pretty crazy and it's still like i don't know that's, where that's this is insane i don't know where the end of this ramp is like i don't i don't know what happens <laughs> at the end of this neither know. does he so i wonder if he does like i wonder how much he has this like written out <laughs> like how, how much does he really have this like planned out so i i've heard of like the writings uh like exercise where it's like the free flow writing where you just write like you're just writing without thinking and you just whatever right. comes to your mind you write and i'm wondering if that's what he's doing yeah uh, that's how <laughs> he's putting out four books a year <laughs> right and it's just really good but he, like I said, he's he's successful at it. You just, I think I'm also running out of reasons to not read the Wheel of Time series, by the way, because like that one's like ten books, and I've always <laughs> not read it because it's ten books long. And now I'm reading book eleven, and so I think my uh, excuse <laughs> is like falling apart. <laughs> How long is each one of the Wheel of Time? I don't know. Books. I've never I've never you picked know? it. Up. I mean, they don't like I've seen the books. They don't look like super super long. They look decent okay. size, but they don't I, look like they're like thirty hours each or something. You do that and let me know how, how it goes and maybe I'll, I'll pick it up. I, right. I've, I've heard that like every other one is really good or something like that. I don't know. So yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to hear what you think. For sure. It's a, it, it may actually just like the 10 books may just be as long as like the five book or the four right. books out for, <laughs> for Stormlight Archives. <laughs> for like Stormlight so. Archives, yeah. The other, I think the thing that will hurt me compared to like the Expeditionary Force series is that like I don't have to pay attention to Expeditionary Force and I think I will have to pay attention right. to Wheel of Time. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Anyways, we talked a lot about what's been on my mind. Um, what what has been on yours these last couple weeks? Yeah, so I, I, I've been doing a lot of actually like listening to audiobooks and physically reading. So I, I've started picking back up some like physical books and like actually like using my eyes to to take in stories which has been weird yeah the absolute um, madman <laughs> yeah <laughs> basically i'm bored is that's what i'm trying to say. <laughs> no absolutely not i we had talked multiple multiple episodes ago about the high republic series for mm-hmm. star wars yep where you know it's taking 200 years before the events of the phantom menace where the jedi were at their prime yeah and i had started that book and i was enjoying the book and I, I made it probably about three quarters of the way through. Life got busy. I kind of put it down and I never finished it. And so I, I picked it back up. I read that. I read the next book, which was Into the Dark. Yeah, so I, I've been reading that. And then there's a comic that follows that that I've been reading through, which like, I, I don't necessarily know if I'm enjoying it as much. Like I, I don't know if I am enjoying the story. The the characters I'm not super attached to. Mm-hmm. There, there are different main characters in both the... The Light of the Jedi and Into the Dark, which are the first two books of the series. Okay. But they're all kind of revolving around the same event where, like, this is first chapter, no spoilers. So basically, a, a, a passenger vessel going into, like, the Outer Rim collides with something in hyperspace and, like, causes mass chaos all over the galaxy because it's, you know, spreading debris at light speed. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's kind of like how you're dealing with that. The first book was very much, like dealing with directly with that conflict and how they're saving planets and everything, which was pretty cool. And then the second book was kind of like, you know, they shut down hyperspace. And so it's like these stranded Jedi basically on a different world and how they interact with everyone else who is stranded there with them. So I think I am enjoying the idea and the concepts more than I'm actually enjoying the story. I don't know if that is, um, I don't know if that's just me like getting back into reading. Like I want to 
put that out there as an option, right? Like I, I feel more immersed when I'm listening to an audiobook. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that is it. Assuming that that is not it, I just, the characters seem very kind of flat and it just seems like I don't necessarily care what happens to them. <laughs> I, yeah. I just want to learn more about the world. Yeah. Um, so so that, that's been kind of an interesting read. I, I'm going to continue reading all of them that come out just because like, I think that the world building, you get to learn about new species. Um, like there's this giant snake Jedi, which is pretty cool. And so like, there, there's like all these like really interesting concepts, but yeah. the story is not gripping me, but maybe, maybe like they're just doing a lot of like baseline and then they're going to, they're going to ramp sure. up. Yeah. We kind of talked about that a little bit when we were talking about Kyoshi over the last fireside, right? Where that can kind of, that can kind of happen. Like it's, it's a, st- it's a world that we love so much that it's so cool to see it like built into that we can be a little forgiving, I guess, of, of a storyline that's yeah. like maybe not quite up to par. Right. Yeah. Just skip past all like the storyline stuff and just tell me about the background. Right. <laughs> Ew, kissing. <laughs> Describe space to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. But kind of kind of going off of the the Star Wars High Republic, I, I had also talked about like two episodes ago, which seems, or I guess three episodes ago, which seems crazy because, you know, that was like seven weeks ago, but like Bad Batch had just started. Yes. Yeah. And Bad Batch went from like the first four episodes. It's like, oh, cool. This is enjoyable. I'm, you know, I'm reminiscing. I'm enjoying this. Like, this is kind of like a, a, an interesting extension to the Clone Wars. And it has definitely moved into like, this show is phenomenal. Okay. I have been loving the Bad Batch. Like everyone, like the character development has been great. It's been really interesting to see kind of the transition from the Republic into the Empire and kind of a little bit of the logistics there. And if you didn't listen to the, the previous episode, the Bad Batch is following Clone Force 99, which the special... Uh, clone force unit that each has like enhanced abilities like one's a really good tracker one's just really strong some of them are really good with technology and it kind of follows them along with a a, another special clone and we don't really know why she is special Mm -hmm. and so her name is omega and she has like this awesome new zealand accent Mm -hmm. so it's just (laughs) like the accent is great it's been really interesting and then like the the kaminoans like the people who do all the cloning are like trying to get Omega back from the Bad Batch because the Bad Batch's inhibitor chips didn't work. So they're, you know, kind of resisting the Empire. There's a lot of conflict going on. And it's just like all of these background stories that we never were kind of exposed to that you can see how it led to the Empire and what you see in A New Hope. But I cannot plug it enough. You don't have to see Clone Wars or Rebels. But I think it makes it so much better if you've seen Clone Wars. I know last time I had said if you had seen Clone Wars and Rebels, it makes it a lot better. Uh-huh. There's like one scene that makes that that is a lot better if you have seen Rebels. Other than that, it, it's okay. really just kind of it's an extension of Clone Wars. Cool. And so cool. I I highly recommend Clone Wars. So if you have seen Clone Wars, watch the Bad Batch. If you have seen Clone Wars, I don't know why you haven't watched the Bad Batch. So. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, Clone Wars takes some dedication to get to through. So I'm sure that yes, most people fair. wouldn't mind yeah, watching like four extra episodes or something at the, you know, of the Bad Batch. <laughs> yeah, so this this very much feels like a Clone War season eight. Yeah, awesome. I, I have a lot more that I've been doing, but we'll save those for a future episode. How about that? Yeah, we have like, we're covering such a gap here that, you know, there's there's a couple things on my yeah. list that I didn't get to either. So, um, but th- these types of topics are great for, you know, for our fireside chats. So we'll, uh, yeah, we'll, exactly. we'll, leave, we'll leave a couple dangling out for the next one. Exactly. All right. So on our last fireside episode, we had an icebreaker question that was submitted by Smalls that was talking about if you could pit together two 
people from fantasy or sci-fi to go into a head-to-head combat who would you pick so we yeah we threw out the the question on our on our social media and we got some responses and so i wanted to run through a couple of those give some shout outs to people who responded to that and then also as we're going through it i want you i want to i want to have like a sentence or two discussion on who we think would win the fight okay Uh, i don't want to spend too much time on it because i feel like this could drag out to a full episode and i do want to get to our topics so yeah yeah so we we got a couple of these now i want to let's just go through them so 24 clubs or oh there's a d in there 24 c dubs 24 so this this was an interesting one he said he wanted to see darth maul versus dumbledore (laughs) so (laughs) <laughs> so i we kind of talked about this how different magic systems have you know counters inside their own magic system so when you start to expand that, that that gets a little bit difficult but hot take dalton real quick darth maul versus dumbledore who think who do you think gets the crown i think you could make a legitimate argument that like uh, that like a lightsaber could deflect an avada Kedavra. you know i think it could <laughs> <laughs> yep so i i asked i asked and he's made that exact same point. So, <laughs> so I'm glad I'm glad that you brought it up. Yeah. So he said, I'm going to assume that the lightsaber can deflect spells. So right. So now it's so a good with fight. With that in mind, you know, with that in mind, now it, now it's a pretty good fight. That's a pretty. Good, I think I would give it to Darth Maul just based on like ability to kill, just based on like uh, not ferocity, but like cruelty almost, like cruelty. Because you know, and he's always ambushing survivability. People, you know? Yeah, survivability. Yeah, like, what do, you, what do you do? He just never dies. Yeah, what are you gonna do? Cut him in half? <laughs> Cut like, me in half? <laughs> <laughs> Let's fucking go. <laughs> yeah. I okay. Think, so you say Darth Maul? Okay. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Gandalf fell off of one building, and he <laughs> and he died. So. <laughs> yeah. Or Dumbledore? Yeah, I said Gandalf, didn't I? Dang it! I always yeah. do that. Yeah, Dumbledore <laughs> fell off of like one building, and he died. So. <laughs> Yeah, Gandalf fell through like multiple different realms. That's right. Yeah, Gandalf <laughs> fell a very, very long way. <laughs> so you you say Maul? I I think I think Dumbledore has this one. I think, I, so? I think that. Oh, it, but if if the lightsabers can deflect, but I I think that Dumbledore just has. I think he would be smart enough to do what he kind of did in the Department of Mysteries and start manipulating things around him for sure and be able to you know create avalanches or something like that to just you know push maul off long enough so that he could he could get in a sneaky shot so that's true and i guess like push comes to shove he can teleport right like he can oh yeah that's fair he can just apparate <laughs> yeah exactly. GG. you're like okay all right i'm out of here and he just like zips yeah. away and then he can come back later if he wants to but. nice okay well yeah that, that that was a really good one so then um, we, we actually got a lot from sheer boredom. I'm going to pick two of them that, that I like. So the first one, the first one, okay, is one that he submitted on our Instagram. Then he immediately called me and we talked about for about 10 minutes. So <laughs> he, he was very excited about this and he wanted to hear us talk about this one. But he said Cthulhu versus Godzilla. And so <laughs> so I, I am I'm interested to hear this because kind of one of the things that he was talking about is like, what what size is Cthulhu? Like we've seen him like you know big, but like the size of Godzilla. But then you've also seen Cthulhu like the size of like the world, right? So, right. You know that that plays a factor, right? I feel but like then you got Godzilla. The whole thing is like that Cthulhu gets summoned to end the world. Like if he can't piss off, <laughs> like end one pissed off lizard, like one pissed off Komodo <laughs> yeah. dragon. Like he's got no business, Reptile. you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's got no business being a world ender. <laughs> like, 
Yeah. One of the points that uh, Sheer Boredom did bring up is that, you know, Godzilla seems to have a new power each time that they, like, portray him in cinema. So, That's true. like, is a fully powered up Godzilla going to be able to take on a Cthulhu? Right. <laughs> yeah. Depends on what the writers want I, to do. Yeah, exactly. I did settle on on, on Cthulhu. I, I think Cthulhu is, you know, like you said, the, the, the ender of all things. So right. I feel like if if he can't if he can't kill a reptile, then the Arkham mythos is pretty pretty screwed. Right. It's pretty weak. Boo, go home. <laughs> We're not scared of you anymore. Exactly. All right. And then let's let's do one more from Sheer Boredom. And this one I think was my favorite. And we'll we'll just end on this one. He had who do you think would win in a fight? Ronald McDonald or Pennywise? <laughs> <laughs> wow well yeah i think i think ronald mcdonald wins this one hands down right like i dude you do not want to screw around with mr ronald mcdonald like Like, dude has like billions of dollars backing him like he can buy whatever gear he needs (laughs) (laughs) pennywise just has like balloons (laughs) and really like what does a little kid want more like balloons or a happy meal yeah and i guess like pennywise like probably like tries to kill kids where ronald mcdonald is 100 percent successful in killing whoever eats there (laughs) (laughs) obesity kills however slowly it does (laughs) ronald plays the long game get learnt pennywise (laughs) yeah yeah if we if we if we like think about just kill count Right, right. <laughs> just raw, <laughs> just raw KD spread. At this point, I'm just looking at the numbers. Right, we're both engineers. We like math. We like the stats. I'm just right. saying it's very lopsided. It's very, it's very one way. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> it's really funny. Dude sold like a hundred billion burgers or something. Like, what are you gonna do to him? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Th- those were great submissions. Really. Continue to send those in because we we enjoy hearing and talking about the icebreakers and what people think about the icebreakers. But with that said, let's hop into battle scenes. Let's talk about fight scenes, battle scenes. I I guess, you know, there's a little bit of a difference there. Like I think of like a fight as like less than five people or so, you you know, head to head Brienne versus Jamie type fight scene. Right. Or like the battle scene is like the large scale, you know, you have troop movement type things yeah and so that that's kind of how i pictured in my head where you kind of thinking along the same lines yeah for sure and it's it's interesting this is like one of the first um kind of like book topics where we're like we don't need to maybe define too much what we're talking about like i think it's it's right. pretty it's pr- i think pe- like you say that and people are like oh like i like i get i get what you mean so then when i was trying to kind of bracket it in my mind uh two things that that came to mind quickly that i wanted to put in front of you um, the first was size, like basically scope or scale of the battle, which is exactly what you were just talking about. Is this a one-on-one thing? Is it like a small group thing or like a one person on a small group? Or are we talking about like, you know, armies and, and some like very large scale? Um, and that very significantly like affects the way that the author has to kind of like portray it to you, right? Like it is extremely yeah. hard to describe like large troop movements in a way that's like interesting, you know? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, and then the left flank was doing not very well. And so they charged the cavalry in, and it's like, well, okay, I'm not like, <laughs> I'm not like super yeah. engaged in this. Whereas like on a one, like single scale, like a one-on-one fight, you can usually like kind of tell what's going on in someone's head and you can tell like the story a little bit more directly maybe. So not to say one's yeah. better than the other, but just like um, something that is like 
kind of helping us define a little bit of what we're talking about. And then the other thing, the other major thing would be like kind of types of battle. So is this a, is it a physical battle? Like a, like, like we said, like physical combat. Um, what are like the, what are this, maybe the consequences or the, um, is it, is it a, like, we're just having a karate fight or is this like to the death? You know, is it like, um, yeah. What are the stakes? What are the stakes? Yeah. That's a really good way to put it again with types. Like cause we have like, those would be like physical ones. It could be like some sort of like mental battle, battle of wits maybe, or like minds directly challenging each other. It could be like magic. You know, there's a lot of different ways that I guess the form of the battle can take. Um, but those were two things that it were, like I said, just kind of on my mind as I was kind of prepping for the episode. Is that similar to or different than how you were kind of framing this up? Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Kind of almost spot on. The only thing that I kind of left out, but I'm really interested to talk about mm-hmm. is kind of like the battle of the wits. Like I, I didn't necessarily think about that when I was thinking of battle. So I, I do want to talk about that because I think that that is very critical to the topic. For sure. But that's not something that I kind of prepared for. So I'm excited to hear what you have to think about that. Yeah. And kind of what you were saying about how large-scale battles don't necessarily always feel interesting or it's harder for an author to compel the reader to get engaged with a large-scale battle, like, right, the the left flank does this maneuver. However, like, we read a lot of books with large-scale battles in them, and I think that they are done well are very interesting, right? So kind of like what, to you, makes a large-scale battle something that you can I may, relate to maybe not may not be the right word but uh-huh. like makes it interesting for you right that is not just the left flank I'm, you don't have to understand military strategy to enjoy the book sure but like kind of what makes a large-scale battle interesting to you yeah i think narration style and just how the author chooses to approach it can be very very important i think a lot of those ones that we read that ha- that do have a larger scale battle are written from what typically from like a third person limited and they're and they're jumping from a lot of different perspectives right so they're able to tell the story of what's happening in the battle by jumping to different characters as they're kind of walking through these like very tense situations and so it can kind of like help keep the reader like a little bit on the edge of their seat right if a author like backs all the way out to like an omniscient view then that gets that gets like really hard. Even like looking at like Tolkien, we talked about like narrative distance in the um, in the narration styles episode. Um, and also just talking in in the Lord of the Rings episode about this a lot. Um, but he will zoom in on very specific characters and kind of their role in the battle. And if he's like zoomed out, it's because like some major change is happening, right? Like they're trying to like bomb right. the gates at like Helm's Deep or something like that. Or like uh, I was. I was wondering how long it would take for Helm's Deep to get mentioned. So <laughs> two minutes, <laughs> count it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, which actually, funny enough, like I enjoy reading Helm's Deep more than I enjoy watching it. Like I found it more okay. compelling yeah. in the book than I found it in like the movie. And I think it actually is like feels shorter in the book. Like I don't think it lasts as long as it feels like it. It feels like it lasts right. for fucking ever in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> but which I, I'm not opposed to. Yeah, right. Like <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad thing. Right, but. Yeah, I, I guess I, I, I don't have a take on if I like it better in the movie or the book. I, I just know I love it in the movie, and I've just seen the movie significantly more times than I've read the book. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Got, fine. I guess I'll go reread them. Right, <laughs> right. But he's almost, he's <laughs> using the battle to tell a lot of like character stories, right? It's just happening in this larger backdrop. Yes. Um, but you see like Gimli and Legolas like start to become close, like really like very close in like Helm's Deep. And you see the whole like the scene, at least in the movie, of like, you know, like toss me, you know, and he's like, but don't tell the elf or whatever, <laughs> <laughs> right? And like Aragorn having to kind of like face these, like he doesn't want to be a leader, but he's kind of like having to be a leader, right? And so there's like this whole 
conflict internal to him um, also happening within like Theoden, like all the, like the important things that's being told is like all the, the stories of all the characters, not actually like the outcome of the battle. Right. And that's like a really important distinction. I think that is exactly what makes me enjoy the larger fight scenes is kind of like I just had in my notes, a shifting perspective. Okay. So very, very quick shifting. And so the battle is not being described to you explicitly as in the left link does that, but you can infer that through different characters perspectives. And I really enjoy it when the different characters are on different sides or in different areas of the battle so that you Mm -hmm. can kind of like, get an idea of the large scale after you finish the entire thing. And you can kind of almost like on the reread, understand what is happening at like Blackwater Bay, like with Joffrey versus like the, the attack in mm-hmm. the, the water in game of Thrones, like the, the ships, like what's going on there. And then like with Tyrion. And so you, you get a lot of different shifting perspectives and that's really what I enjoy kind of putting the entire like battle plan together in my head rather than it being told to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to talk about song of ice and fire in a battle scene sense, because actually I think a lot of times when a battle is happening, he'd like, tends to kind of skip it and not every time like there are a lot of battles that like are described but like so much combat happens in game of thrones that he will often tell like right the characters leading up to the battle and what they're feeling and experiencing and then he will skip to like the end of it and yep. just have you'll have like the aftermath of the battle there are some exceptions to that the the battle of blackwater bay being one of them but like you can look over the series and just see that he chooses actually to like to not tell the story and i think it's because it can be confusing it can be a little exhausting, right? Like battles te- generally take more detail and information than like general, just like storytelling. Um, so they can just be very like tedious almost to like read through. But I, I really like when he does describe about battle scenes specifically because not only do you have multiple characters involved generally, but you generally have characters on both sides involved. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. And, and a lot of times in a battle scene, you have like all the good guys and you're skipping between the stories of all the good guys, but like they're all fighting like some nameless you know the orcs or whatever and so like you yeah the bat the baddies yeah the baddies on the other end who like they're probably going to beat um and so it's it's just really fun for me and interesting when you can hear like kind of not just the shifting perspectives but actually like the opposing perspectives and what they're doing in response to each other and that sort of thing oh yeah no that, that that's a phenomenal point i don't want to say my one exception but the the exception that i could think of and that i'm thinking of now is, is ender's game and I mm-hmm. think that I, I enjoy kind of like the description of the the battle tactics in Ender's Game because the book is focused on Ender through his eyes. So it's kind of being told through the eyes of a leader, through the eyes of yeah. a commander. It's set that perspective. So you know you know how he's like running through all the simulations or, or, or real battles, right? Um, and how 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 he uses that. And so it's you know I'm not connected with any of the characters that are in the battle that he's commanding, which kind of I guess like the entire book is built up to make me feel that way, right? Yeah. I, I don't necessarily, I'm not invested in the tactile, what is this ship doing? It's more, I, I'm reading this book to enjoy the strategic mindset of Ender. It's a really good example, actually, because Ender's game is like packed. Like it's like every other chapter is a battle of some kind. <laughs> right, you know? yeah. Or, or like, or a fight of some kind. But every single one has has like a point, I guess. Like it has, like if you if you like read through the book and you're like, I'm just going to take this battle out of the book, just like stripped it from the story. Like <laughs> there would be a massive gap, you know, in like the storyline. Like it wouldn't, there would be something that wouldn't make sense. And if there, right. if that isn't true, if it's a battle that 
that Ender doesn't either like learn something from or grow something from or kind of like helps like kind of characterize who Ender is, then it is generally skipped, right? There's actually a lot of battles that happen that you don't hear about um, where he says like, oh yeah, we, we did, we just had all these battles and, and you know, um, and then such and such happened. It just takes like two sentences and it's like done, right? And so I think that's another good, like, almost like as you're being kind of like critical as a reader, battles can be really cool and flashy and it can feel like everything's been building up like to this battle, but you should be at a point as a reader where you can say like, okay, if this was stripped out, if this was removed, like, am I really missing anything? You know, and the answer should be yes. There should be some massive storyline thing that happens or some like very important character thing that happens. If that's not true, then it's kind of sloppy. Phenomenal transition, Dalton. So I wanted to talk about, uh, <laughs> I wanted to talk about kind of, kind of exactly that and how battles can be used as a tool for character development, right? And they should be used as a co- tool for character development, right? Yeah. Like the Battle of Mustafar. Like I want to understand kind of what Anakin's gone through. Like he's gone through, he's transitioned to the dark side, but then when he actually fights Obi Wan Kenobi. Both Obi-Wan and Kenobi and Anakin at that point go through a transition point and like their entire stories change, right? You yeah. know, you are my brother, Anakin. All, all of this and like there, there's more than just like this flashy lightsaber fight on this volcano island, right? That That is really cool. But what's more interesting is the, the character development that takes place in those 10 minutes or however long it is, is jam-packed into that. Like I love it when authors use battle scenes to display or transition characters and grow them in their arc it's almost like a clash of you know ideals like a clash of morals and like a clash of like emotions it was like or like what's actually happening as opposed to like a a class of a clash of just like physical prowess um you can tell that they're both very like very emotionally involved um in the conflict and yeah i think they give a chance for the author to kind of showcase like where the character is at right it can be sort of like a test or like a litmus test right of like here's how the character like when things are stripped away and they're under stress and they like here's kind of who they really are like those types of things can kind of like start to shine i guess and so like when books are written as like a filler book and it's just like this was i think one of my complaints about um the inheritance cycle is that large sections of several of the books are just like battle sequences just like back to back and it gets like really tedious where it's like okay it's almost like you didn't really know how to have a backdrop for the story so you just kind of kept writing in battles you know to try and just like move the story like to the end i guess um to get to like the final boss fight or whatever and it kind of lacks that transition of okay here is where Aragon, like the challenges that he has, and here's kind of the the chance for him to be set up to either like succeed or fail in this like either moral dilemma or this character, you know, self actualization type type of trouble or decision that he's having to like grow through. And here's where he can kind of like either prove or fail in that, right? And that's not really what's done. It's kind of just like, oh, here's another battle that they go win sometimes. So it, it feels like when I was when I was younger, that's what I wanted. I just wanted the action. I wanted the fighting. I wanted that. And maybe like you know, he's writing as a younger author. Maybe that's you know that's cool that's exciting yeah and as i as i'm growing as i've been reading more books i i still enjoy that but i want it to have a purpose like i don't want a battle for a battle's sake i wanted to advance the story i wanted to advance the characters i want there to be moral dilemmas inside the battle and so i i think that that is kind of what is lacking in a lot of the battles in the inheritance cycle and i think of um in terms of like battles on the other hand that are done well in that um regard i think of the pendragon series um which has again Ooh, like 10 yeah. books okay. yeah and so there are multiple battles because it again it's kind of a natural like climactic point often is that there's some sort of conflict and a and a rush and a 
a sense of urgency and and sometimes that can like relate as like a physical battle and that that does happen in pet dragon but each book is a really important like characterization point for bobby pendragon and like a really important like growth point you know and he's also like not afraid to let him fail at some of those right like there are there are a lot of like ups and downs in that um series where he like has a chance not even just failing at the at the battle like in the sense of oh he just like didn't beat the guy in a sword fight or whatever but like actual like failures of character where he made a selfish decision where he should have made a a sacrifice or he he like failed in like to like foresee something that should have been obvious or that he should have had it or he just made a wrong decision you know the battles and the the fights kind of give him the opportunity to do that and give him the opportunity to kind of like grow the character so that by the time you get to like book 10 he has this like wealth of experience and you feel like wow this character has really grown you know he's he's really developed over the course of this story yeah i think that's a really interesting example especially because you do feel like you are growing with bobby and for the, a lot of the series he is not a good fighter right? yeah he's, he's clever kind of a whip. <laughs> he, he understands like social but like you know he's gonna get his butt kicked every single time he goes out for a fight and so that i think that's kind of interesting because like the fights that he does have when he is this wimpy kid really do develop that character and kind of give him this like hard-headed determination of I need to go, I need to do this, I need to do that. And yeah. like, I'm going to play to my strengths at that point. So yeah, we, we kind of been talking about the large scale and we've transitioned into like kind of the small skirmishes or like the one V one fight fight scenes. So what, what do you like about a, a, a small scale, like a, a maybe a, like a 1v1 or just like a couple of people fighting? What, what are some of the things that you like in those types of fights? Yeah, a lot of times it gives more room for the author to kind of like pay attention to a single person's perspective. Like we said, with those large scale battles, you can get overwhelmed by details and information because there's so much happening that the author has to like describe. It can become exhausting to the reader and it becomes really um, tedious and dull. And so when you kind of remove that requirement and it gets down to like just one person, um, you can, the author can really start to tell like their experience. They can tell like what they're feeling and thinking. And, and so those like emotional decisions that they are having to make as a result of the fight, they can kind of like talk you through that and you can see it a lot more clearly. They also like, they have access to a lot more of the individual person's senses. You know, they can give you a sense of smell and they can give you even like a sense of taste, right? Um, that you can, they can taste the, the sweat and, and blood mixture on their lips or whatever. Like they can give you some really good, kind of bring you into the moment a little bit more than that like overarching like 10,000 foot view of like a, a battle scene. It kind of fails to do that for you. Most of the time it gives them an opportunity to just get the reader really, I guess, keyed in and involved in whatever the active kind of tension point and storyline point um, that's trying to be made as a point of the fight, um, like to, you know, to develop this very specific development point for the character that can become a very strong emotional tie um, because it's such an intimate, like telling of the story um, in, in, in like a one V one fight, I guess. Yeah, that that's very true. The other things that I kind of like about that is I feel more connected with, with these fights that, that are 1v1. And I think that actually kind of has to do more with the medium that I'm observing the story in. And so like if I'm if I am listening to an audiobook and they're describing a large scale battle, I tend to not have as much engagement with that. I don't yeah. tune in as much. I, I'm kind of like meh. Whereas if it's a 1v1, like I, I'm in it, I am ready to listen, I am excited about it. Whereas like kind of maybe not the opposite, but it's definitely like 
it's more balanced in like a TV series or a movie, like a large scale battle. I'm much more interested in when I can like kind of observe the everything and kind of use more, more of my senses to understand everything, because I think it does just take more comprehension to understand everything that is going on. And so in that sense, I, I I prefer larger scale battles in cinema or maybe just like reading a book in that sense where I can go back and reread some of the details rather than an audio book where, Oh, I missed that. I, okay. I, I probably don't need to know that anyways. Yeah. Yeah. I like too, that the kind of the stakes are more, it feels like they can be more fluid, like in a in a large scale battle. It's like okay, like we're here to kill each other. Like all right, let's do this, you know. And it's in a one one on one. There's like there's opportunities for mercy and there's opportunities for like discussion. And you know, I'm thinking of uh, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, Red Rising, where there's uh, where there's a lot of mm, individual yeah. fights where like Darrow actually can like take a minute to like have a discussion, you know, even in the, like the middle of the fight, um, or at least you can like hear his internal dialogue on it a little bit more clearly you can hear his like hesitation for whatever reason the you know the the fight of w- one single person just feels like so much more personal and that's a, that's a harder decision for a lot of characters to make and i also like that they can tune in on on the opponent there can be a lot more development around the opponent right whoever the villain is or just the opposition even Good in point, that yeah. fight can be again not a nameless face but it can be it can be someone who has built up over the story or it can be someone who like doesn't have a lot of development and, but can be, it can become personal over the course of the fight even, right? He can, um, there's a couple examples of that in Red Rising. I can also think of a couple from Aragon where like at the end of the fight, all of a sudden this person is a character, right? And you kind of like learned about them in the fight. That's almost their introduction. Yeah. Um, but then at the end, they're like a recurring character at that point. Yeah. Oh, I like that point. Yeah, because on, on the large scale, you don't really get that, right? Like, For sure. I can't connect with the large scale opposing force, whereas I can connect, maybe not relate to, but I can connect and understand a, 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 a opponent, one opponent, and understanding how they're reacting to the main character who who is fighting them. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, so, I mean, we've been talking about all of this, like, in the battle, but I, I think that another reason why I like battle scenes so much, other than, like, the awesomeness of the the fighting of yeah. the lightsaber fights the blowing up of the death star is is kind of like the the ramifications of the actions in the battle carry out th- through the survivors right like it oh yeah survivors absolutely. i guess it does too for the people that don't survive yeah they're they're really impacted <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah that, that's fair that that is very fair but kind of <laughs> i think battles are so exciting because they're it is such a high stake environment, right? Mm-hmm. Like this yep. is going to ch- probably change the lives of the people inside the battle um, for good or for, for bad. And so I, I think that that is another interesting point that I kind of wanted to discuss with you is what, what are some of the other kind of ancillary things other than just kind of the cool action shots that really draw you in or make you remember a battle or, or promote battles to a specific battle to like this was an awesome fight yeah yeah that's it that's a really good question there's like a couple things that come to mind so i'll i'll mention one and then i'll and then we, maybe we can do a little back and forth here uh when you ask that question one of the first things that came to mind is the uh the battle of five armies in the hobbit oh, okay yeah which i which i love like i think it's such a cool like well-written battle because you don't hear very much about it right um because it's yeah. basically like okay, it's yeah. following up this big battle where like smog like comes down and he's like burning the village and the dude shoots him and whatever and it's like okay that's like this big battle that happens right but then like greed takes over and everyone all every all the five armies are like oh we got to fight over like this treasure hoard that's in the mountain and bilbo kind of like sits on like the mountainside 
Um, I think he even like has the ring on, like, I think he might be invisible and he's just kind of like watching all of this, like play out. And he's just kind of like, he's still like taken back by it. You know, he's just like, why is this like, why all this violence? Like, why is this happening? You know? And so it's a battle that is like totally pointless, you know, um, not pointless. There's a big treasure hoard, but they're, they're (laughs) effectively pointless, effectively pointless. Right. Like, I mean, it's over treasure, right? Right. Non-lasting. Right. Exactly. Um, and so the, battle feels so powerful because it's told in a way that it's like not a glorified thing. Like it's not this glorious moment where the dwarves like win over the dragon or whatever. It's this kind of like failing of everyone to resolve the issue like peacefully. And instead of it's like, yes, it's treasure and like, yes, money is important, but like a bunch of people die, right? Like it's a huge battle of five different armies and like all these sentient beings die. And it's like, was that really worth it? And Bilbo like, like he, it's again, he's like coming from Hobbiton. Like he's just kind of, this is like the last almost like killing of his innocence. Right. Of like, wow, this is awful, you know? And so I think it just strikes like a really wow. powerful yeah. chord. One of the, uh, the other things that I kind of wanted to talk about of like ramifications of a battle or kind of consequences of a battle, not necessarily to the world, but to kind of a meta sense for the reader is something that I think Sanderson does really well is that he will open a book with a battle using magic. And, and a lot of the times, like, so I'm thinking the Stormlight Archives. So oh, the yeah. opening scene of the Stormlight Archives is Seth Zanzan Villano is um, kind of using all of this magic. You know, he, he's running on walls. He's kind of making things fall in the opposite direction. And like, as a reader, you're you're confused. Yep. But it kind of puts you into the perspective of who Seth is fighting because they are also confused. And so I think it's a really interesting way to introduce magic. And I, I think that there are other examples of of introducing magic through a battle. So like, yep. you know, you go into a battle thinking that it's very one lopsided and then one side ends up having this huge advantage that you didn't necessarily see. And so like, that's how one person can take on an entire King's Guard and assassinate a king. Yeah. So yeah. And it's just like a really cool introduction of other ways to build out the world or, or magic in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think we talked in the Mistborn episode that the book doesn't necessarily like start with a magic fight, but the magic system is kind of introduced through a magic fight. That's like a couple chapters later. Yeah. And it, and I think you're right. It's a really good way to just kind of like highlight specifically in a hard magic system. Like, Hey, here are kind of like the rules and how like people kind of use them. And because actually like now that I'm thinking about that fight in Mistborn from a storytelling perspective, you could entirely strip that fight out. They're like the first one where you really get the magic yeah. shown to you. Could, we could pull that out. And like from a storyline perspective, it could be one sentence. It could be like, oh yeah, this guy went and did this thing and here was the result. The only reason that it's written in is specifically to introduce you to the magic system. Like that's the point of the fight. Yep. And it's exciting. Yeah. And it's cool. Right? It's yeah. exciting <laughs> to learn about the magic system, right? Yeah, um, for sure. I think we are both kind of landing on the sense that we, while we enjoy the fights and while we enjoy the battle scenes, what we really enjoy about these are the consequences or the the falling action after the fights as well is mm-hmm. like what what are the characters going through how is this affecting the characters what is this doing to the story so that we can progress the story so that characters are put through these moral decisions and yeah. interesting decisions which is like i, I kind of said earlier and i think i want to talk about this really quick before we wrap up is like kind of like the non-physical fights right so oh, yeah these happen all the time right so like the battle of wits right so i'm thinking princess bride yeah uh, right? <laughs> with the poison right? right sitting across the table so that is a that is a battle right it's not yeah. a physical hand-to-hand fisticuffs battle but it is a battle and so i didn't necessarily prepare a lot for this so i want you to talk to me a little bit about this and then we, we can have a little bit of dialogue 
um, yeah. about this kind of interesting psychological battle. Yeah, I think it, it can lead to a lot, of, a lot of really interesting storytelling. Like when I answered the, the icebreaker question back in the Fireside episode, one of the first things that I brought up was like Tyrion um, from Song of Ice and Fire or yeah. also Paul Atreides from the, the Dune series in that most of what they are doing as a, as a fighter or as a battle is that they're commanding, right? They, they are scheming and they're coming up with ideas. You can, you could also like, you could extend that to like, I'm thinking like uh, Locke Lamore uh, from Lies of Locke Lamore, yeah. where it's like, yeah. there are like battle scenes, but mostly what he's doing is he's like playing out a plan, right? In some sense, what he's actually doing is it is a battle of wits. Like it's something he's acting out physically, but it's only because he like had the time and the space to like come up with this like plan. And you're like, as a reader, seeing that play out, and you're seeing him kind of like best his enemies through like his through his you know cleverness and his and his mental cap- like capacity. But I think the reason that I like them so much is yeah, first of all that they kind of like make you as a reader like think outside of the box because I'm I'm not a sword fighter, I'm not a magic user, but I I, I can think. That's like the one thing that I can yeah, do okay. alongside. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so it's kind of like it challenges you as a reader to be like would you have thought of that, you know? So like there's that part no. kind of the puzzle part. Um, but I also think that they can have maybe like we're talking about consequences now, like maybe bigger, you know, more intense consequences of, oh, okay, I'm the commander. Like, did I come up with the right strategy? Because this has like a societal impact for one, like it's going to affect like, you know, like a lot of people culturally like coming out of the battle, but it's also like I'm commanding a lot of people to like go die or whatever, right? Like there's, it's not just me. I'm not just going to enter a fight where I may have like some physical or even like mental trauma, PTSD type thing. Like, but I may be causing, I'm actually know that I'm causing other people like physical and mental trauma or like just ordering their deaths. And like, that's awful, you know, like, but I have like <laughs> yeah, full the moral implication for sure. Yeah. For sure. There's this huge moral implication. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And this, and the stakes are just like, they can be like really elevated, you know, even in the battle of wits, like one of them dies. Right. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> right. but for the most part, I think yeah. what I was thinking of is like, not necessarily like a one-on-one battle of wits, but like a battle of wits, like commander to commander, if that makes sense. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I think that these are all great points, and we have so much, so many different types of battles to choose from. So I, I, I gotta ask, right? Like, it's, it's kind of like my <laughs> thing now, I guess. Like, what is your favorite battle scene? And yeah. I, I think I'm gonna turn this one into also kind of a, a Instagram slash Discord receive answers because I'm, I'm also interested in everyone else's. But what is your favorite battle scene? in sci-fi fantasy yeah and why yeah 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 i i don't know if i can i don't know if i can truly pick a favorite um but i I was i wanted to bring up one here with this question that we haven't talked about yet which is children of time which i've talked to you about this book and you have yet to read it um to my extreme disappointment (laughs) i'm sorry um and so it's 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 like the end of the book like i can't describe details of it but if you remember the concept of the book the concept is that basically humanity introduces a virus to a planet um, that is intended and then they are intending to introduce like monkeys to the same planet and their goal is to try to basically recreate humans the virus is intended to like kind of guide evolution and they're kind of trying to like kind of create new humans in a vacuum to like see if they're i don't know basically any different i guess um and to see if they're better some bad things happen in like human society um there's like stuff breaks out anyways the experiment goes awry the virus gets introduced but the monkeys do not and um, they had already kind of built this planet to have like a like an Earth-like biosphere, and so it's kind of like okay, what hap- like what develops, what becomes sentient as a result of this virus, who is now just 
or which is now just able to kind of like manipulate different um, species that are like lower life forms that are on this planet. And then when they interact with humans like thousands of years later, where they are sentient and have a culture like the clash of those two. And for the long time in, a, in the book, you're like, okay, these are two, this is a square block and a round hole, right? There's just not a way right. for these two to kind of like come together. And I really like the resolution of the book like i you can't really say if they like come together or not and that's that's not why it's good or bad of whether or not they do but it was a solution that i like maybe not solution isn't the right word but it was a conclusion that i had not thought of and that was really cool because there were both good sides on each one and so this final conflict what there were characters on both sides of it that you were like fully vest invested in who were like active in in the story you know and you got to kind of like see it played out from both sides and neither one of them was a bad guy um, so I just thought it was very well constructed, very well thought out, very well executed. Um, I, I really liked the conclusion of that book a lot. Okay. Maybe, maybe I'll read it at some point. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No. Yeah. I, I just was going to like tape it to list, like so. your ceiling. Just like <laughs> one page, like the first page is open and then like the next day. Yeah, the first page. Then when you come over the next time, the second page. And yes, then- <laughs> exactly. I'll get through it eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. No, I, I'm glad that you picked that example because it's not something that I have interacted with. And so yeah. that I, I, I guess like, I don't, I don't know if you're playing like 40 chess and this is how you're going to get me to read the book or not, but like it's, it's on to us. Abort, abort. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, for, for this question, I tried to narrow it down, but I just wanted to mention three um, because <laughs> I cheat. Um <laughs> Sounds like okay, you did a great I, job do narrowing have, down. <laughs> yeah, no, I, well, actually, so there are seven teams. <laughs> um, <laughs> you kept less than half, no. so that's good. Okay, so yes, I want to mention three. I will tell you my favorite. I'll, I'll leave that, I'll leave that one for the last, but it's, it's a spoiler, so I can't necessarily like talk about it too much. Okay. So uh, one that I wanted to definitely talk about was the, the Battle of Isengard, Osgiliath. I just mm. love Ents, and so, and I love Merry and Pippin, and so that one just like, <laughs> For it's, I don't think it's like a super like interesting, well, like you know, strategic battle. I just, I love all the characters in it, and I just love the idea of it. Yeah. Um. So I, I wanted to mention that one. Um. The second one that I wanted to mention was the the fight between uh, Avatar Aang and oh. uh, Fire Lord. I got chills when you Lord. said Avatar Aang. At that point, I got chills. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the ending of that series is just amazing right yeah, I, sure. I have chills dang it yeah. um, <laughs> but i i think i like that battle so much one it's just beautifully um animated right? yeah for it's, sure it's phenomenal to watch but also it feels like from almost the like first couple episodes you know that the series is leading to this climactic event mm-hmm. and you can see how all of Aang's training throughout the three seasons of Avatar culminate into this one fight. And I yeah. just think that that is just really well done. And I, oh, it's just such a great fight. And then the my favorite fight, the, the last one that I want to mention is the fight. This this is not a spoiler. Um, the fight between Kaladin in the Stormlight Archives and Zeth, okay. um, which we had mentioned earlier. Um, okay, so I like it for multiple reasons, but one of the main reasons that I really like it is that both characters, you've seen stories from their perspective, and so you know exactly why each one of them is fighting. And two, like the only thing that I can really say without spoiling is like riding the storm. And I just think that that was just so cool. And so if you've read the book, you probably know what I'm talking about. But like it was just like this awesome like 
awesome battle scene which we didn't really like cover but like the terrain like they're literally just like riding a storm front and fighting and it's just like it was so epic that i think that's probably my favorite scene all right so i think that's gonna do it for us for the the topic of battle and fight scenes i am gonna post the question um in in the discord and in instagram to just kind of get a feel for what your favorite fight scenes are so i'm excited to hear your answer to that question but the other ways that you can contact us, we do have a significant following on YouTube now. So if you want to join right. in that, you, <laughs> you, you are more than welcome to subscribe to our YouTube channel. But really, that is not the best way to contact us. Really, the best way is Instagram and or Discord. Um, so all of those links are going to be in the show note. Reach out to us. Talk to us. We love talking with you guys. So I think that's all I had to that's talk it. about. Is that That's all for you? So that's all for I, you. Man, I, I, I really enjoyed, you know, diving into a topic again. So this was this was a lot of fun. I pre- and I, I'm excited to do some more. So for sure. cheers, buddy. Cheers.